So our sermon title today is Scripture Songs. We're continuing our series with awesome passages of Scripture that have correlating Scripture songs. And the title is Envious of the Joneses. And I'll be honest, there was some debate about how to spell Joneses. <laughs> I've looked it up. And I believe that this is this, uh, the socially accepted way to spell Joneses. Uh, we could talk more about that later. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, this is how I'm spelling it. <laughs> have you ever noticed how good some people just seem to have it? It is just, you, particularly when you're on social media, you look at the pictures they're posting and you think, wow, they have it all. When we think about the prosperity of others, how they have it in their lives, the natural response often is not, I am so happy for them, I am just more pleased than I could ever be. Often our sinful hearts, if we're honest, think, oh, I wish I could have that too. That looks really good. They have a new iPhone, well, I want a new iPhone. They got a new car, I want a new car. They got a bigger, better house. I want a bigger and better house. They got a promotion. Well, I want a promotion. They're eating tacos at the Mexican restaurant. I wish I was eating tacos at the Mexican restaurant, too. This mentality is this keeping up with the Joneses mentality. That's what they're doing. That's what I want. I don't want to fall behind. But often it's not just possessions that we find ourselves being jealous of and envying. Often we find ourselves just envying their lives in general. We envy not only what they have, but, but what they're doing. And if we're honest, the people that we tend to envy in life are not the people that are the meek and humble saints of the church. Your spouse doesn't come home to find you frustrated and they say, what's going on? What's, what's the matter? And you say, ah, I'm just so envious of Brother James. He's so meek. He's so humble. He's, he's so nice and I envy that. And, and that kind of envy takes place and we, we shouldn't envy. But generally, it's not the best people in the world that our sinful, carnal hearts find ourselves envying. It's, it's the multimillionaire that has no regard for God, but has all the possessions and experiences. It's the famous musician. It's the famous sports star, the athlete that has the praise of society. It's the movie star, the people that are the social elites. And we find ourselves wishing that we could have and do and experience what they have. Envy is not something new. It's been around as long as sin has been around. In the very beginning, what was it that Lucifer wanted? He saw what God had, and he wanted it for himself. Not because he wanted to be more like God, but he wanted the power, position, the, the praise that only God could have. And so our, our passage of Scripture today is extremely relevant because what envy was 3,000 years ago, it's the same thing today. Just manifesting itself with different toys, with different possessions, 
different people and experiences. So I invite you to open up your Bible to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, written about 3,000 years ago, but just as relevant today as when it was written back then. You'll notice when you get there, there's a little kind of a footnote, um, a header. There's a little part at the beginning. And it says, a psalm of Asaph. A psalm of Asaph. Who was Asaph? Asaph was one of David's top three chief musicians. So this was a pretty lofty position that Asaph had. He led out in worship to God for the nation. And he was one of the top three that was selected for this. He was a singer, but the Bible also tells us that he was really good with the cymbals. He was a good percussionist. He would play those cymbals for the glory of God. He did this when David brought the ark successfully to Jerusalem. And then when the ark was there in a tent before the temple was built, because Solomon built the temple after his father um, died. And, and Solomon built this temple, but before then it was kept in a tent, the Ark of the Covenant. And Asaph would lead praises to God right there at that tent, thanking and praising the Lord. So the psalm says it's of Asaph, which could mean that it was written by Asaph, or it could be that it's in the style or in the tradition of Asaph. Uh, but for the purposes of today, let's assume that Asaph wrote it. In any case, it was written right around that time period. And we get right into it with the conclusion of the whole matter in verse 1. He's stating the conclusion, and then he's going to tell you a story through song. Psalm 73, verse 1. Truly, God is good to Israel, to such as have a pure heart. I'm reading today, by the way, from the New King James Version. He starts it off. He just he says, I want to let you guys know from the very outset, God's good all the time, and all the time, God is good. The pure in heart, those who are able to see God, Jesus said in the Beatitudes. And then he starts to tell his testimony. Verse 2. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps nearly had slipped. Being a rock climber, I know about the fear of your feet slipping or almost slipping. You know what it's like to stumble. Asaph looks back in his history and he says, I almost lost it all. I almost, I came this close to disaster. Why? Verse 3 tells us why. Because I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He took his eyes off of the goodness of God and he started looking at how good the Joneses had it how good they seemed to have it. Anytime we take our focus off of the goodness of God and focus on the prosperity of the wicked, we are destined for trouble. Trouble is exactly what Asaph uh, was headed towards. He continues, it starts to explain in verse 4. He said, for with the wicked... For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. 
They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued as other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They're so rich, they're just bulging with their richness and their prosperity. They have more than the heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. He's saying, look, I'm looking at these people and they're doing wrong, but nothing bad's happening to them. And even when they die, they're not in pain. Now, of course, we realize that the wicked do have pain and they do have sorrow. But sometimes as we're looking at their lives, it sure seems like they have everything so easily. Seems like they get away with all sorts of crimes. Seems like these people, uh, uh, it's just not fair. We love justice, and we love instant justice in our society. I, I saw some videos on YouTube that are so-called instant karma, uh, instant justice videos, little clips, people who are driving dangerously, uh, and then they get pulled over, and the people are saying, yes, yes, because we love to have that instant justice that happens. And Asaph looked at the wicked, and he said, Where's the justice in, in their lives? They just seem like they have it so good. I love that phrase there in, in verse 9. It says, they set their mouth against the heavens. Uh, this is language that's similar to that of Daniel 7 and 8. The little horn speaking boastfully against the Most High. Or Revelation 13, verse 6. Um, very similar language. And then it says, their tongue walks through the earth. Or in other translations, it struts through the earth. They are so arrogant with what they say and how they say it. They feel like they own the place and they can just walk all around with the things that they're saying. Maybe today we can think about people in our world that have a mouth like that. And we say, God, where's the justice in that? Where's the justice? I was checking out how Eugene Peterson, in the message paraphrase of the Bible, put these verses, verses 6 through 10. And you've got to hear what he has to say. It's, it's a really good summation of what we just read. He says this, concerning the wicked, pretentious with arrogance. They wear the latest fashions and violence, pampered and overfed, decked out in silk bows of silliness. They jeer, using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air, loud mouths disturbing the peace. And people actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. That was the scene that Asaph or, or the psalmist was seeing, and he's saying, God, how is this possible? And somehow in his heart, he kind of wished that their experience could be his experience. It was problematic. Eugene Peterson continues, verse 11 and 12. He said, what's going on here? Is God out to lunch? Nobody's tending the store. The wicked get by with everything. They have made it, piling up their riches. God, where are you at? God, why don't you zap those people? They deserve it. Where are you at, God? You know, it's interesting. 
for as much as we question some of the justice of God in Scripture, there are many examples in Scripture where God allows people to continue on in their sin. And sometimes we get the biblical authors saying, God, why aren't you punishing them? When today we look back and, and we're saying, God, why did you punish? That's so bad that you punished. But in scripture, many times you see people actually doing the opposite. People who lived closer to the event saying, God, why aren't you punishing? That's a topic for another, another sermon, but I, I'm just teasing uh, your mind, making you think a little bit there. Asaph was dealing with this and he was wondering about it. And then we get the most dramatic statement. This is the, the real pinnacle of his wrestling. Look at what Asaph says. I'm back in the New King James. Verse 13. He says, Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. And I have washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Asaph starts to think, and he's, he, he looks at the wicked. They're doing all these things. They seem like they're really prospering, and he begins to wonder if it was a mistake for him to follow after God. God, they're doing that. Why can't I do that too? If you grew up with siblings, you're aware of these comparisons. Older brother gets to go off and do certain things. But mom, why can't I do that? Asaph had a, a similar experience. Maybe I kept my heart pure for no good reason. Maybe I was following the rules and it didn't even matter. I've been toeing the line and it didn't make a difference. And these were the thoughts that he was dealing with. And maybe you've thought that before. What good has being good gotten me? As if our, our religion is a legalistic one where if you put in good effort, you'll get good back out. Um, forgetting the nature of our world and the nature of how life is. Sometimes we, we feel tempted to believe that nice guys finish last. You ever heard that saying before? Being nice, where does it get me? I, it just gets me last in our rat race society. Nice guys finish last, they say. I had a friend in high school. He liked this girl a lot. Wanted to date her. Expressed his interest to her. Uh, he, he failed, though. She, she said, sorry, man, uh, not feeling it. Not in as many words, didn't go quite like that, but that's the basic idea. She said no. He tried time and time again to find ways to woo her and get her. She was a smart girl, attractive girl, and she was following after the Lord. And then what happened? I believe summer break ensued, and they come back to school, and what he saw made him boil inside because this girl was dating the school rebel. The bad guy, the, the quote, bad kid, the, the rebellious one, the one that dressed in black and had crazy hair and, and was getting into piercings and 
and he couldn't believe it. It made him so mad. He might have been tempted in that moment to think, nice guys finish last, when the reality is sometimes good girls date the wrong guys for some reason. And that's another topic for another day. But sometimes we wonder, was it worth being good when look at what they get? God, how come this happened? These kind of comparisons are especially dangerous uh, on social media. Um, It's interesting, actually, a lot of these social media influencers will, will do things to artificially create the illusion that they're on some vacation or that they look better than they actually do. I remember seeing a picture from some social media influencer and it was supposed to be on this vacation but her sister took a picture and it was actually in their backyard. They weren't at some exotic location around the world. So even the lives of people that we think we're envying often aren't all that they're cracked up to be. And many people who seem to be successful in living this wonderful, uh, exciting life end up in depression and hooked on medication and drugs because it was empty to them uh, from the beginning. But, But we often get tricked by the things that we see posted uh, on our social media accounts. So Asaph wondered, is it worth it for me? Maybe you've wondered, is it worth being a Christian? Maybe you've had more difficulties in your life since you've given your heart to God. And so Asaph goes on this journey and he finally gets clarity and it happens in verse 17. We'll start in verse 16. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. It was too hard for him thinking these things out until, verse 17, I went into the sanctuary of God and then I understood their end. Something about going to where that ark was housed, something about going to the presence of God whether it was thinking through the visual plan of salvation that God had given us through the sanctuary, or whether it was reading from the scrolls, or just taking time to meditate and pray and seek the Lord, he realized his faith had been short-sighted. Myopic faith. Myopia, sometimes people struggle with that. That's nearsightedness. You can see things close, but you can't see things far away. And when we're focusing on just the moment, we often forget about the eternal and the things that happen in the future. And when we're envying those who are wicked, we envy the people who are supposedly prosperous, we're forgetting that there's a bigger picture to life. We're also forgetting that that wealth and riches and, and fame don't satisfy Solomon illustrated this in his life. He had anything and everybody that he wanted and it it didn't make him happy. God's calling us not to have this myopic faith, this faith that sees only the moment that we're in, but a faith that looks to eternity and realizes what is to come. Asaph, the psalmist, realized there is a day of reckoning. 
And whether or not people experience justice in this life, people outside of God who reject his mercy will experience justice in the future. Verses 18 through 20 describe that justice that they will experience. So the Bible actually makes clear that it's not nice guys that finish last. Um, Nice guys here in in our definition are those who are following after God, nice people. Uh, On the other hand, what the Bible is actually saying is that nice guys last through the finish, but that the wicked are finished at last. Nice guys last through the finish, but the wicked are finished at last. People who are following after the Lord, they have a future. They have blessings in the here and now, and they have life, eternal life to come. In fact, Jesus said the blessings are a hundredfold. Not necessarily monetarily, but the blessings spiritually and the fellowship we have are a hundredfold now in this time and in the life to come, eternal life. But for those who trade all of that, for the passing pleasures of sin, all they have is the moment, which isn't even guaranteed. And so Asaph, thinking about these things, realized, whoa, I almost messed up big time. So he continues in verse 21, thus my heart was grieved and I was vexed in my mind. You're gonna hear these words in the scripture song that will follow. My heart was grieved I was vexed in my mind. I was confused. I was grieved, God. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Uh, the, the animals, the beasts of the world, they just live for the here and now, for eating and drinking and sleeping and, and, and pursuing the momentary needs. Asaph was saying, I wasn't thinking about the big picture. I wasn't looking with long-term eyes to the future or or appreciating the blessings of the present. I was like a beast before you. And then he realizes, nevertheless, I'm continually with you. God, you've never left me. You've always been here. In fact, he says, you hold me by your right hand, by my right hand. Even when we can't hold on to God, he's still seeking to hold on to us. Even when we make the mistake of envying the wicked, God has always been interested in holding on to us and giving us amazing blessings. Look at verse 24. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. The language here in Hebrew that's used is language that's used similarly to people being translated up to heaven. God taking people to heaven. Asaph expresses confidence in God's presence now and in a future glory when we're taken to the kingdom of glory. And then he reflects and he asks this this question, whom have I in heaven but you? God, you're so good. Who else do I have? It's like what Jesus asked the disciples in John 6, are you guys also going to abandon me? And Peter said, where would we go, Lord? Where else would we go? And Asaph realized, who else could I go to but God? He's the only one. And there is none upon the earth that I desire besides you. In his envying state, he thought there were other things and people he desired 
But when he came to his senses, he realized God was all he needed. God was all that he truly desired. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. My body might start to fall apart, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion, my inheritance forever. For it is good to me, verse 28, to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all his works. He started off the psalm by saying, God is good all the time. And in the end, he affirms it again. Through it all, he said, yes, it's good. I enjoy drawing near to God, and I'm putting my confidence and my trust in him. These are words that are relevant to my life and to your life. We need to be reminded of these words. I've been blessed by hearing these words in the form of scripture songs. I want to play for you at this time another favorite of mine by Esther Moy, scripturesongsforworship.com, where she's taken some of the key verses of this passage straight out of the New King James translation and put it into song. Let's listen to the song right now.
in heaven but God. You'll notice that she repeats parts. Uh, repeat. Usually she'll sing the scripture through and then repeat it. Uh, and that's for our learning. And at least I assume. Uh, I tell you what, it's awesome. When you listen to some of these songs or people songs from other artists, uh, you start to learn scripture without even trying to. And it's so wonderful to have these tunes going through your mind. So I hope you'll check out more. There are, I think, over a hundred different ones she has, and there are many other people who do wonderful um, songs that put the words of Scripture in your mind. I tell you, if there ever was an example of somebody who overcame the envy of the prosperity of the wicked, it would be Moses. Moses started off his life uh, early on after he left his mom's family, and he lived in the palaces of Egypt. He had it all. He had access to anything he wanted. He had a life of ease and pleasure and greatness and honor before him. But he knew it wouldn't be a life with God. And so he ended up deciding to leave it all. His life was significantly more challenging after that point. But right now, Moses is up in heaven, 
And do you think he regrets that decision at all? Of course not. We'd be finding Moses' body, perhaps, in one of those graves in Egypt. But instead, his body could not be found. Uh, for the Lord took him to heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, 24 says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. For he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses gave it all up, and in its place he received it all. If he tried to hang on to all of it, he couldn't have enjoyed it or had it all anyways. Friends, Asaph from the past reminds us, keep our eyes fixed on the goodness of God. Don't get distracted by the prosperity of those who are not following God or even the prosperity of some Christians. Keep your thoughts and mind focused on the goodness of God. Remember the bigger picture. Good guys will finish at last, while the wicked will be finished in the end. I want to be grateful to God for what he's given me. How about you? Let's just bow our heads together and thank the Lord for his goodness. Dear God, again, I feel without words, without proper words for just how much gratitude we have and should have to you for what you've done, are doing, and will do for us. Please forgive us for our, our lack of gratitude, for the envy that we have at times of others. Uh, if our hearts are straying in the wrong way, please correct us, Lord. As we connect with you, remind us again the bigger picture, Lord, the stuff of the world may be fun for a while, but it doesn't satisfy, and it certainly doesn't lead to a satisfying end. So, Lord, by faith we choose you again today. We say thank you, and to give us opportunities this week to let others know how good you are. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. Amen. Well, we will be seeing you soon, I hope, perhaps in person. But if not, we'll be seeing you through the wonders of technology. God bless and have a happy Sabbath. And congratulations to all of our graduates, particularly to Dante Matu, graduating 12th grade at Central Valley Christian Academy, and of course, Julian Kelman, graduating from Roosevelt Junior High um, uh, from 8th grade. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath.